Church podcast. It's Family Day weekend. We do Family Day in Canada. It's a great time to celebrate family. Do you know if you're in family, you know what often happens in family? You get conflict. You you got opinions. You, you 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 know you're allowed to be an independent thinker, and sometimes our thoughts, our ideas, our approaches to life they collide with each other, and that's okay as long as we always remember that we're family and that we love each other, and we're in a very very safe place because we promise to never be offended with each other, and we promise that our love will never quit and our love will never fail. So be family. Be a strong family. But be a family that knows what it is to walk together in peace and to maintain that beautiful bond of the spirit. So come on, you're going to hear what it is to be a strong family. Welcome to Family Day. Completely. And uh, we're going to just we're going to have a family conversation. Is that okay? And we're just going to talk a little bit. You're going to frame it a little bit around a a sermon. And uh, but we're going to chat. Is that okay? Can we talk? So before we talk, <laughs> I just really had an impression from God for Jasmine. Isn't that crazy? Hey. I turned around and I thought about her name. I went, oh my gosh, that's like a nice smelling thing, Jasmine. And I was thinking about the aroma of God. And I just really believe that you are just the aroma of God. And there's something about your disposition that is so very attractive and sweet smelling. And people are going to walk by you, even if you're not wearing perfume. And they're just going to say something about that kid. There's just, I need to know who she is. I need to be in community with her. I need to fellowship with her. There's just something great about that kid. And I just think your parents have aptly named you Jasmine. Jasmine. I could cry. Jasmine, Jasmine, there's just something about that name. She's just loving this. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. You are absolutely special and wonderful. Created to do like ridiculous Like your eyes are shining. People can oh. look through your eyes and see wholeness oh. and see love and see care and concern. Just really bright light. Who is Jasmine? Who's Jasmine? Right there. Jasmine, wave your hand so everybody knows who you are. <laughs> and that's awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah. I remember one time... Um, Many, many years ago, we had a uh, prophetic ministry to some of our youth and young, youth actually mostly, wasn't it? Yeah. And Pastor Hammond was here in the day. Yeah. Justin was there at that one. Yeah. Oh, I could. Anyways. It's a true story. It was a good day. It was a good day. Yeah. You should pull yourself up a little bit so you're closer to me. You seem far away. So uh, there's, a, in the word when Paul was, you know, sharing, there's times when he said, uh, I'm saying this to you in the Lord. And then there's times he said, I not the Lord. He literally said, it. you can look it up. He said, I not the Lord. And what he was saying was, right now I'm going to share with you my opinions. And, you know, I'm not saying this is for, you know, practice or this is doctrine. I'm just saying, hey, I got some opinions for how things should go. And how many know there's a lot of opinions going around today? You know, I haven't had sure uh, too many conversations this week. If I've had more than, actually, sometimes even me, myself, and I have been arguing, but uh, I find if there's more than three people in the room, we got ten opinions. And somebody said once that opinions are like armpits. Uh, most of them, everyone has, has two, two, and most of them stink, you know. But, <laughs> but I, I value, I value every single person. I, I really value where everybody is. The sad thing is, a few years ago, something hit the globe that is diabolical. It's awful. 
And it's uh, something that has devastated the world. Like almost six million people have died. People I know have died. Pastors that I know have died. Pastors' wives that I know have died. We've got friends in this community that, you know, we got Perry and Wilma. It devastated. It so completely changed their lives, their dreams, their hopes. We got many people in our worlds, and all of you do. We got people here, both their mom and dad passed away. And we got so many people who've been affected by this. And it's, it's people have lost their jobs. People have made choices about how this thing is, you know, chosen to deal with it. The governments have decided this is the way we're going to deal with it. And some people disagree. And I think you should be allowed to disagree. And we were told if you disagree, that's okay. But then we were told later on that it's not okay. You got to follow through. And, and there's been restrictions put on people that I'm not here to argue about any of those things. But you know what? People do have opinions and they've affected people. We have people in this church who've lost their jobs. I had some people I didn't even know that they'd lost their jobs. And I wouldn't want to lose my job. I know a lot of people in this church who didn't want to take the vaccine who did, though, because they didn't want to lose their job. And I know sometimes the government says, well, everybody followed through. Well, a lot were reluctant. I can't tell you the calls we had as a church and the number of people who called and said, are you able to put something together to give me a religious exemption? And I know people who were willing to take the vaccine, and then they still called me and said, I'm afraid, I'm gonna take it, but I'm afraid, because there's so much out there. And there really is a lot of unknown still. So it's been really concerning for people. I got vaccinated real early. I had our MP called us and said, you're like a first responder. You're there before the ambulance. True. And we showed up when people passed away before the ambulance even showed up. So we were there, you know, before we were masking or doing anything, we were showing up in situations where people had died and we were helping doing video autopsies with, and so they said, that was unpleasant, get, just saying. Get vaccinated. I was like, and you know, I, I've, I never really thought much about it. I, I, I really didn't. I just went ahead and, I'm a, I'm a bit of a follower that way, I suppose. Didn't have massive convictions. But there are people that do. And there's people that have strong convictions. And I know people who have not been vaccinated. I know people that have not been vaccinated. They're quiet about it. I know people that are not vaccinated and they're noisy about it. I know people that are vaccinated and they're quiet about it. I know people that are vaccinated and they're noisy about it. And so I just got to say, let's close in prayer. <laughs> it's... You know, it's caused. It's been a crazy time to pastor through. It has just been a saying. crazy time. It's, it's been, been crazy like crazy town. Yeah. And so it's hard. And yet, in every one of these circumstances, every person in that is somebody I deeply love mm -hmm. and I deeply care for. And they feel deeply about their decisions. They feel they have God's word on it on both extremes. And. Uh, you know, I just want to say I love you, and I really care about you, and I'm so sorry that something from the pit of hell has caused such strife in our culture. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very saddened that it's also caused grief in our personal families, in our, in our family here as a church. There's uh, very diverse opinions, and, and unknowingly, sometimes people have been hurt by other people in the community, and they didn't mean to. And sometimes I think we got to let people feel what they feel and whether you agree or not i think it's okay to acknowledge that your neighbor's in pain and uh that yeah, scripture says when one member suffers we all suffer and so if i have a brother or sister who's suffering then actually i'm not um immune to it no 
Yeah, there's a, I, I can't remember where it is, but there's a, there's a verse in one of the epistles that talks about, you know, let your conversation be seasoned with salt and with grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Message Bible translated as says, let's bring the best out of each other in conversation. Mm -hmm. So I, I think this, this forum, I think the willingness to have conversations with people, I think is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And when you do that and you're committed to honoring somebody and you're committed to, uh, you know, trying to understand. And, I, and I've heard somebody say, you know, when you want to understand somebody, it's like standing under their position. You got to kind of, you know, take the time in conversation to get to, to know somebody, to get to know what they're saying rather than just kind of lumping somebody in a category. Because every, every one of these people that pastors have mentioned uh, are people with stories and faces and families. And, and they actually are individuals with real stories that we can actually sit down and have a conversation with each other about. So I think that's really, really important. It's true. And I think, it's I think it was very apropos and godly and spirit that Daryl came up and talked about the benefits of community, you know. Um, the word community is actually mentioned 100 times in the Bible, 94 times in the New Testament. 60% of those um, kind of community words were one another's, stressing the importance of loving one another. 15% of those um, community words were encouraging deference to one another. And, you know, that's something that's really lacking in our world today is this um, position of deference and this attitude of deference towards one another. It's true. Sometimes we're too insistent on winning the argument than winning the person in front of us. And I always believe that the person in front of me is way more important than what I believe about a situation, especially when this situation is going to terminate and there is an after this. And uh, sometimes I wonder, is there going to be anything left after this? Because I hope we haven't <laughs> devoured each other, you know? And, and uh, I will rest yes, I will in rest. your promises, <laughs> my confidence. We got a lot, a lot going on as a church, don't we? Yeah. Don't catch my infection, you know. <laughs> Singing everything, it's just one of those things. So, uh, you okay? You all right? It's okay we have a talk? And you know what? We don't mean to offend anybody or hurt anybody. We might bring some things to the surface, and we're just asking for understanding. And as I said... This is just a conversation. It may not be as doctrinal. Uh, it's more just as a family. And I'm here to serve this family, and I'm here to serve you. I'm certainly not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to love you and inform and help, if I can, in your choices and decisions. But I'm here to love you, and I'm here to honor you, and I'm here to you know, guide this fellowship as best as I can. And I really just want to put your hand in Jesus, and I trust him to really lead you and guide you in every circumstance because you're his sheep and I know you hear his, his voice. voice and I know if we're all listening to his voice we are one in the spirit we are one in the Lord you know so, we love you not because we're supposed to no but because we really love we really you. really do love you yeah it's not Plain like simple. I'm not doing it because it's doctrinally correct I'm doing it because yeah I have you in my heart you know mm -hmm. love everyone uh, Ephesians 3 14 and 15 for this reason I bow my knees to the father the father he's my father the he's father. your father we got a common father there's heavenly DNA in each of us, you Amen. know. When you look at somebody, you're, you're seeing them. Paul said, I discipline myself to see no man after the flesh, but in Christ, yeah. which means I'm not going to see people in the flesh. And thank God we can do that. And we're going to see the purpose of God, the anointing of God, the ministry of God. You know, I'm, I'm in the midst of corresponding now with someone who had a tragic, tragic life and has found themselves back in jail. And what happened in their life early on was so tragic, so horrible. But I'm saddened that society sometimes discards people or decides that their behavior was so bad, I don't want to see recovery or restoration. But, you know, we're all about recovery. Yeah. We're all about restoration. 
Even if you got a different opinion than me, it's important that you are way more important. Winning you and walking together with you and loving you is more important. I just want to say too, Pastor, this verse, I love how it says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I think when we think about the church, the, uh, the starting point here is family. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can think about the church as a congregation. You can think about it as a group of people. You can think about it as an organization, an institution, and all this kind of stuff. But for, uh, as far as God's concerned, we start off as family. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, we can have family conversations. And we I can... don't think that family aspect applies just solely to the church. True. Humankind True. is God's family. Yes, it for is. For whom the whole family in heaven and earth. Whole family. We, we, we can yeah. recognize the universal fatherhood of God and yeah. the image of God that every person bears. Truth. And that can be our starting point. Yes. It's a good spot. It is a good spot. Mm-hmm. I see Christ in you. Right? <laughs> wow, that, that's a, that changes the dynamics of the conversation. Yeah. Because now I'm seeing something amazing in the person across from me. Even if I disagree with everything else that person's saying, I see Christ in you. Yes, Amen. I do. And now, I, you know, the, the honor and the love that you're owed in respect to somebody who bears the image of God, that is foremost in my mind before I'm hearing your argument or I'm hearing your perspective. I'm hearing your heart as one who Jesus does. Yes. Yeah. That makes a big difference. And I've how got you to honor, frame a yeah. conversation. Truth. And I've got to honor their struggle. I've got to honor where they're at, you know. I've had a lot of times where I disagreed with somebody, found out later, mm, I probably do agree. Sure. But I could have been obstinate at the time and tried to, no. you know, no, I couldn't. <laughs> Never. But I'm glad sometimes I've, you know, one of the primary revelations the Holy Spirit has given to me, a very clear word, often in my life, is, Carl, shut up. And I kid you not, it's just been amazing. I've been the Holy Spirit in his life. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, sorry. No. Okay, so I'm going to show you a picture. Don't want to trigger anybody or anything, but this is a picture. I don't know if you can see it. All right, but this was in 2016 in November, and uh, we went to Michigan with my brother, and we actually went for uh, a time of golf. We golfed every day and had fun, but my brother wanted to be in the States on election day because he just said, I want to enjoy Americana. I just, I get a kick out of how passionate they get about elections. And uh, he's in, he said, I'm really interested in Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. This is so interesting. And I want to be in there. I want to, I want to not look at it from afar, but I want to be there when it goes down. I want to experience the whole thing. So we golfed all day and then we would go around and see different things. We were in Michigan uh, University and we were there when Barack Obama came to speak so we got to hear Barack Obama speaking that day just saying and he's what a, a great orator. What an amazing speaker it was pretty amazing I was like man I, that was pretty powerful and no matter what you think any which way and we also saw other things we went to other places we bought some Hillary buttons we got a I was going to bring it with me today but I wouldn't want to freak anybody out but I, I have a make America great hat and it's got a Trump sticker Do you still on it. have that I still have that I haven't thrown that out yet no. <laughs> but wow. I just wanted to keep it because I thought like maybe 20 years from now it wouldn't be as triggering it'd just be like a neat novelty to have remember when and uh, but I know it's it's pretty polarizing you know so uh, my brother we went into a polling station on election day and my brother had a Hillary hat on and the lady came and said get out right now you can't you know come in with promotional materials my brother went I'm a Canadian I can't even vote she said doesn't matter get out and so we got thrown out now this picture let me come back to this we woke up at our hotel on election day and in the parking lot behind us with this this guy pulling this huge trailer with Trump on it and it was just like look at this guy and it's this huge trailer you know save the constitution you know a lot on order, build the wall. It was just really interesting. And uh, if you know my brother, my brother 
If I used a strong word like despises, it would not be strong enough for how my brother would feel about the presentation or what had been the represented by Donald the man. Trump. The candidate he was repulsed by. And uh, so I'm, I'm with my brother. Now, my brother is a Montreal Canadiens fan. I'm a Leafs fan. My brother is a, was a Redskins fan. They don't call him the Redskins anymore. I was a Cowboys fan. You know, he loved Alabama Crimson Tide. I loved Penn State. So in, in all our lives, if, if he said there's sun outside, I would say it's cloudy. <laughs> it just didn't matter. We chose the opposite. We fought for everything. And, you know, fighting for us was recreational. <laughs> and uh, so, but you know what? We love each other passionately. And if one of you tried to fight with us, he would back me up in a minute. And, uh, but we love each other, but we are passionate about our beliefs and our values. So here's us down there in the States with such conflicting values. Now, I put this on my Facebook, and uh, I did it because my brother, who cannot stand Trump, is on a Trump platform. And so we thought this would be hilarious because his friends and his family would just go, God. what is wrong with you? So we thought we were going to have fun with it. And when I posted it, my Facebook blew up. And I was like, wow, clearly people don't understand our humor. And uh, I was like, oh, my goodness. That is the day that Cheryl went off Facebook. Well, I'd, put a, a, I'd had a Trump hat on, but the, and I had a picture of me with wearing clear, Hillary Clinton Hillary, buttons. Had Hillary buttons and, and I Trump got hat. just... Skewered. Like, yeah. Just skewered. So. Yeah. So that was the last of Facebook that for That was me. it. We didn't expect that. See, when we had dinner that night and the results were coming in, there was a lot of noise upstairs, and we happened to pick a restaurant where on the floor above us in a banquet hall was the local Trump campaign people. So that's where I actually was able to run upstairs and say, hey, could I get one of those hats? Not because I was, you know, cheering for a side. I just thought, this is going to be a novelty forever. And I hope that didn't offend anybody, you know? <laughs> and we gotta be so careful today. Great but piece of they I show that, that, I show that to you them. just to kind of open some windows of, oh my goodness, you know? And uh, there's context for there's, things. There is a context for the picture, and people didn't get the context. Because they thought, my brother must be a Trump guy. I'm a Trump guy. We're all Trump guys. Paul's what are you laughing. doing in America? You know, what are you doing? And you, I was a national leader of our movement at the time. And a national leader should never take a position in politics. I got hammered. And I'm going, you don't even understand the background. You don't understand the context. This, for me, was funny. But, man, you got to be careful even if you're trying to be funny. And I'm like, wow, when you've got to be that careful, it's just no fun anymore. No know? fun. And, but I get it. I honestly get the strong feelings because these people do cause strong emotional feelings and there are things that are horrible. And so I absolutely get it. I really, really do. So in saying that, I don't want to minimize it, but I just wanted to share that because that did have a context for me and it was completely missed. But Jesus, it says, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. So Jesus, reared at the Last Supper, he knew what was about to take place in the next few days, and he knew that the Father had put everything in his hands. So knowing this, it says, knowing this, he took off his garments, and it says he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. Knowing that he had all authority and all power, knowing that every single thing was under his authority, he took off his garments and he washed people's feet. And you know, one of the people's feet he washed was Judas, who he would turn to and say, what you're about to do, do it quickly. And so it's interesting 
when we look at what's happening today, and, and as a church, I think we've always got to saturate everything with the divine law, the royal law of love. And did you know that love is unconditional? And yet we've got conditions. I literally, I love you until. And unconditional is a big word. We should look it up someday. There's no conditions. There aren't. No, not even that. Or that. Not even that. God, who was absolutely perfect, pure, beautiful, and holy, entered into my mess and said, I was too lovely not to redeem. I was too lovely not to care for. So how are you all doing? I hope you're okay. I hope you're okay. So right here, this was a picture years ago. I preached a sermon about love, and, and this was a picture of Jesus washing people's feet. And it was used in, a, in a, a whole, they did a whole series of lectures and things, and this guy did a whole bunch of different paintings, kind of for shock value, just to kind of contextualize what he's talking about. And this is Jesus at the time. These were the rulers of the day. You've got the... the uh, Chinese uh, leader, you've got Indian leader, you got uh, George Bush was leading at the time, you had the, the Prime Minister of uh, South Africa, you got Tony Blair and uh, Markle. I forgot her already, she just left the scene and I forgot. But, but there's also Osama bin Laden. Like, and I, like when I saw that, <laughs> the first time George I saw Bush. the picture, I got triggered when I saw that picture because I just went, oh, what an idiot, who would do that? And then I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Jesus would do that. Amen. And I was just like, wow, love your enemies. And I was like, ouch. And it really affected me. Because I, I, I tell you, I, I despised it. I did not like it at all. And it triggered me. Proverbs 18, 19, Zach sent this to me the other day. It's just in a conversation, actually. He said, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. What do you mean by that? Well, I think a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. So wow. offense can be a real stronghold. Mm. And uh, I think when you, when you have a conversation with somebody, like you said earlier, it's about trying to win somebody, not necessarily to your argument, but to win somebody in the sense, win, win, win a heart, win a mind, win somebody to Jesus. It's not, I need you to see the world the way that I do. Mm -hmm. And so offense is a, is a really big stumbling block. So we want to make sure that we don't give offense to anybody in anything. I think we owe it to uh, each other to do our best to not be offensive uh, unnecessarily. Sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes, you know, people do take offense. And the awkward thing about an offended heart is that it's actually in the power of the offended person to change the circumstance. Yeah. So the offended person, we have to be willing to be able to forgive those who offend us for real and perceived offenses. And without that, that, that can be a really, like, that can be a stronghold that can inhibit me from being able to uh, engage in a real conversation. And it's not a legalistic thing where we got to deal with offense first. It's just the way it is. If yeah. I'm offended, I'm not going to hear you, even if you love me. Like, there's a real possibility that the offense within me is strong enough to repulse your love and say, no, I don't want that. So we really got to guard our hearts against offense. Uh, being an offense unnecessarily, but also um, if we feel like we're harboring it in our heart, it's a really good idea to forgive. And, uh, that. Like, like Jesus, uh, washing the feet of Judas. Like, oh my goodness, like you can't, you can't sin worse than betraying the Son of God. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do that's worse than that. And Jesus still washed his feet. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, there, there's no exception. When you think about, I could do that for somebody up until this point, where I can walk with you and I can, I can bear the burden with you until here, but this is just one thing too much. 
I think we really got to guard our hearts against that kind of offense and not have those things in our lives where we're, I don't have a spot where you can, you know, be deemed worthy to be kicked out of my life. I don't have that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to allow that kind of offense to harbor in my heart. Yes. You know, I want you to know that you're in a safe enough environment with us that you can have ridiculously strong positions on things that you own and that are well-researched. You know it and you own it. And I love that. And I, I have no problem with people with incredibly strong positions on something you believe it. It's something you are contending for. And I, I celebrate that. I'm with you. Absolutely. Uh, sadly, sometimes... There are differing positions and people disagree. Even if you're absolutely right, there's times people will disagree. And our responsibility isn't to enforce the way we see things on people, but to understand and to walk with people, which is way more important. And uh, we're a family here. We love each other. I love that Daryl can say I was going through a really hard time and community lifted me out of it. And when he walked up the stairs, it was completely shattered and broken. I love that. I love the example of when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and his disciples were arguing with the Pharisees about trying to heal a boy who was demon-possessed. And Jesus, you know, he came down the mountain and he tried to understand the situation. He said to the Father, you know, he, how long has your son been like this? What happens, you know? So Jesus didn't, you know, chide the guy for his unbelief, really. He just said, tell me what's going on. How does this happen? Yeah, if you go to that passage, you'll also see that Jesus said, how long am I stuck with these people? <laughs> he really did. And I can remember once I was so tired of pastoring. I'd had enough. I'm so tired of being misunderstood no matter what I do. I can't believe it. Leadership is so hard. Oh, God, get me out of here. And I said, now I'm, I feel like I've grieved you because I'm offended. I'm frustrated. And then all of a sudden he read that passage and Jesus said, how long am I stuck with these people? I went, well, that doesn't sound good. And he was the son of God, and he was without sin. But even he went, wow, this is tough. <laughs> okay, I just threw that in because Cheryl led me there, you know. Amen. Everybody okay? Turn around slowly, look at your neighbor. Okay, good. Good job. Good job. All right. Luke 7, 20 to 23, John the Baptist sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or should we look for another? This is the, one of the saddest statements in the scripture. This is the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes, takes away, away the, the sin of the, the world. world. That person who prophesied that and declared that, the anointed forerunner of Jesus and the kingdom, was confused later on and said, I must have been wrong. And obviously was offended because of Jesus' response. Yeah. Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John found Jesus' ministry offensive. Even though he announced this is the one, he said, I don't like what I see going on. I don't think he's doing it right. It is not unfolding the way I think it should. And Jesus said, first, tell these guys what you see. He said, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the good news is being preached. And he sent them back. And then he said, wow. Blessed are those who aren't offended at me. Mm -hmm. See, the thing was, Jesus was hanging around with all the sinners. Yeah. John was in the wilderness preaching, stop sinning, you bunch of dogs. But John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And yet even today in the New Covenant, we're preaching John the Baptist like he's a New Covenant prophet. He was the last of the Old Covenant prophets. And because he couldn't understand the transition to New Covenant truth, a new dispensation. he lost his head. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people today that just can't seem to come through to new covenant realities. And I'll tell you, don't want to lose your head. The word scandalizo is the word 
that's used there for offend. It's stumbling stone to put a stumbling block, an impediment in the way of someone else, which another will trip over and fall. Metaphor for to offend. It's from the word scandalon. And scandalon, let me tell you what a scandalon is. You ready? That's a scandalon. See, there's a, a box with a cheeseburger on it. I'm reaching for the cheeseburger, and then all of a sudden they pull the they pull the scandalon. So it's like the it's like the trick stick, and then I'd get trapped under there going for the cheeseburger. So a scandal on is to trap you. To be offended is to entrap you. And when you get offended, you entrap yourself because you allowed yourself to get scandalized. And so great peace have they who love their law, nothing, nothing shall offend them. them. The apostle Paul said, I discipline myself to take offense at no man. So it's very important don't get offended. How many are enjoying this so far? Happy family day. All right. You know, so, so that's that. I don't want to freak out again. All right. I, this is really, I know this is risky, but uh, this is Michael Belk. And Michael Belk did a whole series of, of pictures and teachings and things called Journeys with the Messiah. And this was a teaching and a picture that went along with the teaching of Jesus teaching going the extra mile. And you see, this was, he, he did a picture of Jesus carrying the knapsack and the rifle of a Nazi soldier. Now, I know that's pretty horrible in our culture when you, we bring up something like that. But he wanted you to see that the Romans would have been considered equally as disgusting and shameful as uh, the Nazi, Nazi Germany and the Nazi soldiers. But Jesus is showing that, you know what, go the extra mile. In Matthew 5, 41, it says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. And you see, what he was talking about was in their culture, there was a rule that a Roman soldier could grab anyone who was not a Roman citizen, he could grab any person and say, carry my bag. And the rule was you had to carry that bag for a mile. So Jewish people would mark from the door of their house, they would mark with a stick in both directions how far a mile was, and they were legalists, and they would immediately drop the bag at that stick and say, I will take it no further. So Jesus was telling them, don't do that. You know, go another mile. Mm -hmm. Like that thing that so grossly offends you Go further with it. Walk with it further. Engage it longer. And this blew these people's minds. And they're saying, this is the expectation of a believer? This is, I mean, he took the law and he put it on steroids. He made it so hard that everybody, this is crazy stuff. He wants us to serve Romans even more. He's a nut bar. Can you serve things that you despise? Can you wash the feet uh, of things that have so offended you? Or have you decided that my offense, what they have done, qualifies me to discard them from my life? And sadly, those kind of things happen. So 1 Corinthians 3 th says you are carnal. You're still carnal. Why are you carnal? Because there's envy, there's strife, and there's divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Some people say, well, we're only human, Pastor. No, we're not. We actually partake in divine nature. If you're only human, you never, never came to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, you become one with him, and your nature is shifted. You are born from above. You are a child of God. Everything is changed in you. You're a new creation. But he said, sadly, you new creations are behaving like nothing transformed your life. You're, you're, you're successfully behaving like fleshly people. And why? What defines it? There's divisions, there's strife, and there's envy. And sadly, there's a lot of that in the world today, but I'm saddened when it's in the body of Christ. So I'm not here to tell you not to have strong views and not to research things out and have a strong belief on why you do what you do, and I think you really, really should. But you know, I think we should respect that other people might have a different point of view, and that's okay. 
And we can share with them, we can honor that person, and we can still walk with that. And we have a different point of view on a daily basis. We really do, <laughs> you know. And but you know, I'm staying with her because I've I got take a five, out the garbage. I have a five-star all-inclusive life. <laughs> like yesterday, I was uh, involved in a, a call, or Friday was it? I was involved in a call, and I said, "My wife's probably out shoveling, so let's just keep this a little longer." <laughs> and, and sure enough, I went upstairs. She shoveled the whole driveway. It was so great. It's a long you know, driveway. It is a say. long driveway. So I know I got a five-star all-inclusive life so no matter what's going on it's a beautiful life to be married to beautiful Cheryl so I am a blessed man on every level I don't know what's in it for her I really don't there's oftentimes I go oh god <laughs> you know please pour more grace on her yeah but man we gotta really watch out you know for strife James and said he said wherever division and strife is it's every work of the devil and the wisdom from above he says it's peaceable, peaceable it's without gentle. hypocrisy it's without partiality yeah and it's willing to yield yeah and that's a that's a tough one yeah. Run that by the, me again. The, if I'm sharing the wisdom from above, the fruit of that wisdom is what? Well, it's peaceable. It's gentle. It's without partiality. It's not hypocritical. And in some translations, it says it's willing to yield. Which uh, you would think, well, no, I'm the wise one. I've got the wisdom of God. I've got the mind of God here. So I need to stand up and actually say, no, this is the wise thing to do. This is the right thing to do. Whereas James is saying, no, the wisdom of God is actually being able to hold that strong belief but yield to that person knowing that they have an anointing that teaches mm -hmm. them all things. Mm -hmm. And together when we're taught by God, we're gonna end up in the same place eventually. And it doesn't have to be where I am. Our job is to get to his ground, not our own. True. And the wow. problem for me, like that, even that progression where you talked about envy and strife and all that kind of stuff, is tragic for John the Baptist. He was offended and his offense couldn't let him see Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's a, a call in the Bible as well to discern the Lord's body. And sometimes if we get offended, we can take it to the same place that John the Baptist did, and we can say, okay, well, now I, I don't even recognize us in, as in the same body anymore. Yeah. I don't recognize the body of Christ. John didn't see recognize Jesus because of his offense, but if we let that thing harbor, we can get to the point where we're not recognizing our other brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters because we, too, have harbored offense, and it's affected our vision to such an extent. So we got to see we're not just men. We're not just humans. We're not just men and women together. We're, we're something totally different, and the basis of that is not our common agreement on any particular thing. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. You got to know God loves diversity. True. Yes, he does. Like, just look at the animals, look at the trees, look at the flowers, look at the fish, look at you and I. There's not a single other person like me. And so, and I love the fact that um, the Trinity itself represents, you know, um, difference, diversity, and distinctness, yet they are radically one. So in the body of Christ, in this family, there's differences, there's distinction, and there's diversity, but we should be, and we are called to be, radically one. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Spirit of calm came over the... That's a good verse. I might have to put that one on my fridge for a while, you know, because uh, if my conversations aren't ending in peace and uh, all kinds of lovely things, uh, well, I better check that. I'll make sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, well, what uh, Pastor Zach refers to as well is uh, where it says when you come to the table, it doesn't say come worthily. It says don't come in an unworthy manner. 
And it says, what is an unworthy manner? It defines it for you. The unworthy manner is not discerning the body of Christ. And that's in two ways, not discerning the body of Christ, Jesus, but it's, not, it's vertical and horizontal. So if I come to the table and I don't discern you as a brother and a sister, I am partaking of communion in an unworthy manner. And it says you're eating death and destruction and disease to yourself. And really, uh, Dr. Dean Ornish says that relationships and how you're performing in relationships has everything to do with your health. It has everything to do with the rest of your life. And uh, so it's really important that we get relationships right because they'll know we are Christians by our doctrine. They'll know we are Christians by our choir. They'll know we are Christians by how the pastor dresses and what kind of car he rides. We'll know we are Christians by our agape, by the agape of God that's manifest in our world. And that's it, right? Right. Amen. Thank you, sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're going to pop through this really quick, and uh, then we're going to pray. And uh, I hope there's, I've prayed that this would be covered with understanding and just covered with grace and love, because I, I love you guys. There's a, there's a lot of things that have hurt me. Yesterday, I wept, and I was in a lot of pain. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. I don't know how you could get through the day yesterday and not be broken. No matter what you thought about what's going on, my heart just broke. Yeah, bless me, bless us all. And, uh... Uh, you know, I look at what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine, and everybody wants to talk to Putin like a conversation will change things. And yet in other times when a conversation could change it, we don't want to talk. I just, it's so messed up out there, you know. And then to top it all off, the queen came down with COVID, 95 years old. And then you know what, what she said? She said, I'm going to go on light duties. <laughs> says, it's just a little cold. I'm going to lighten my duties. I love that lady. You know, it's pretty cool, right? It's a difficult time, folks. It's really a painful, painful time. And uh, anyway, so here's a, here's a scripture. We're going to go through this really quickly because I think we've probably said enough. You think we said enough? Um, and this is hard. I know I want to have a conversation, but, you know, the only people speaking are the folks up here, but I, I believe me, you can email me, phone me, talk to me. Uh, I'm wide open. I need you, and I'm open to learn. I'm open to be edified and to grow. Uh, Philippians, Paul wrote this when he was in prison. He's in prison in Rome, and he's writing to a church in Philippi, and he's talking about two sisters in Philippi. And here's Paul in Rome, and there's no phones, there's no emails, there's, there's no Facebook. But Paul found out two specific ladies with names. I call her odious and soon touchy, you know. But two ladies, that's not nice, is it? But you got these two gals in Philippi. Their argument, their strife, their division was so powerful. Paul heard about it all the way in Rome. Yeah. The, what had happened with these two women in the church in Philippi had caused such a ruckus that it was being echoed abroad. There's division in the church. And I'm like, wow. So I look at that. They go, Paul, how and are you going to deal with this? this is a church near and dear to Paul's heart. Near and dear. This is a, a book that there's more written about joy in this book than anything. And yet packed in the middle of it is, you know, there's real strife with a couple of ladies that he really loves. 
There's two people that I really, really love that are at each other's throats, and it's so bad. I'm hearing about it all the way over here in Rome. I'm in jail, and I'm, they're telling me all about it. So here he is. He says, we got Iodia uh, and Syntyche. He said, I want you to be, I implore you, be of the same mind in the Lord, in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement. These are people who we've served the purpose of God together. And there's something going on in their world. Please, everybody, come on. Let's help them. Let's help them. And sadly, sometimes we don't help. We just disappear. We just walk away from the situation. I don't want to get involved. And, you know, there's fight or flight. And some people say, oh, pick sides. Don't pick sides. Help them. Implore them. Be of the same mind in Christ. And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but by in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The context of all of that, the rejoice in the Lord always, the context of prayer that gets peace that's out of this world, the context of that is... There's division with two ladies we really love. The context, we love to quote those verses, but the context is healing a broken relationship. Yeah. And we've got to say, I got your back no matter what. You're going to have to, you know, punch me in the nose several times before I will ever say I'll quit on you because it's not going to happen because I read my Bible it says love never fails. fails. It never fails. So I'm going to go quick. You ready? So how do we get to that supernatural peace? First, engage one another. Sorry, I just love this line. Let your gentleness be known to all men. I think that's pretty powerful. Like it should be noised abroad that the community of Christ is gentle. Doesn't mean you're, you know, you don't have... Uh, strong values or no, anything, absolutely. but let your gentleness be known yeah. to all men. Yeah. We talked about it, being a community with soft edges, too. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we want to be a place where people feel like they can come no matter what, no yeah. matter what yeah. their views and values are, and being gentle and having soft edges rather than being known for this is, a, this is my very sharp you know, position on anything, and if you don't match it, you can't come. We, you know, I, I, yeah, I do that sometimes, don't if you? Don't, if you're not a Leafs fan, I really don't want to hang out with you, you know? That's not true. He has lots of fans who are Canadians. Sadly, I think or the lots Lord's of friends. Put, he's put all those, and my brother, I mean, some of my closest friends are Canadian fans. Gosh. Anyways, engage one another. Mm -hmm. Engage one another. I implore you. I implore you, don't walk away from people. Don't, they're way more important than whatever it is that you're pushing. The person in front of you is way more important. So engage one another, encourage one another. I, I urge you, help, help. I mean, encourage, get engaged, get involved in a situation. Encourage one another, enjoy one another. I mean, right in the middle of that, he's like, okay, let me pack this in. You ready? Hey, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And sometimes when we're going to walk into a very difficult situation, rejoice in the Lord. Always. I'm going to say it again. When you approach any of these situations, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And I, my own opinion, I tend to believe sometimes we just need to lighten up. Sometimes we need the, the spirit of, you need to lighten up just a little bit right now. You know? Amen. Okay, that's just my opinion. What do you think? Laughter is a good medicine. Laughter is a good, and sometimes people need to take a pill. True. <laughs> so, 
So you ready to take the gospel? Ha ha, ho ho, and a hee hee. <laughs> You'll feel better already. Enjoy one another, all right? Refocus one another. Let your gentleness be known to all. Here's the focus, you ready? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is present. The mind of Christ is here. The lover of our soul is here. I'm nothing without him. And because I know who I am in him, I can lower myself to serve you and love you. And I can act in humility and gentleness with anybody because it's all about him. It's all about him. So refocus one another. The Lord is at hand. And the last thing, release one another. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. With us, I hate it when Cheryl says, let's pray. It's, it's like she wants the argument to be over and she wants to win. Let's pray. So I'm not there yet. I'm not at let's pray yet. Well, in all honesty, we haven't had that kind of a fight in a long time. So I know, just it's saying. Really, it's really kind it's of been sad, really good. It? It's like you've just become so compliant. It's wonderful. I'm not compliant. I just know how to argue and articulate my point of view better. Oh, wow. Not better than you, better than I used to. Amen. Yikes. Hey. <laughs> Man, I tell you, woo, glory to Jesus. I am blessed, honey. I am blessed. I love you. It's unbelievable how much I love you. Have I told you that late? Yeah, you even let me get a dog. I did let you get a dog. <laughs> wow. Did you see a picture of our dog, did you? You want us to if Well, we then bring, everybody would be bringing their animals to church. If we brought our dog, you'd all want to bring your dog, right? But we are in an Anglican church, right? And you know what the Anglican church does? They have that bless your, bless your beast day, Bless don't your they? beast day. Yeah, bring your animals and get prayed for yeah, I remember uh, I saw a picture of a guy bringing a horse down the, down the center aisle over at St. Paul's. I was right, like, hey, man. You know, the Bible says that the beasts of your field are blessed, and I'm claiming that over my puppies right now. Amen. Over your puppies, amen. They're blessed. Amen. Beasts in my house are and blessed. They're all going right? to sell for major dineros. Right, right. and they're all happy and healthy and loud. Amen. I love you, honey, and that's why you got a puppy. Amen. And so in this environment of extreme tribalism and extreme um, polarizing viewpoints, I love this scripture. We need to engage one another in honest dialogue, even if it's dissenting dialogue. We need to encourage one another, uh, that we need to work things out and work together and enjoy one another, refocus. I love that. Release a person to be different. You know, this whole idea of community in the midst of diversity is not a new value for us. It's something that we have always honored and always strived to um, maintain or achieve. I remember, like, I, I think it was the last time I preached two years ago. And wow. I was preaching, sorry, on community in the midst of diversity. And I quoted the scripture in 1 Corinthians where it said, There should be no schism in the body, but that members should have the same care for one another. You know, for me, the church isn't a place for ageism, racism, sexism, or tribalism. It's not a place for prejudice, xenophobia, homophobia, preferential treatment, or entitlement. The church is no place for elitism, politicism, or exclusionism. In fact, there's no place for any of that in any of our lives. All of us together, we're former Catholics, Hindus, agnostics, atheists, we're all sinners. We were boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, millennials. We're Africans, South Americans, Asians, Europeans, Canadians. We are the body of Christ. We are incredibly diverse, but as one body, one faith, one God, and the Father of us all. And, you know, this should be the thing that makes us the light of the world. Amen? You know what's interesting? Cheryl preached that in, in 2020, at the beginning of 2020. And it was right before this whole thing went crazy. And it, it was like a, 
it was like a, a breath of instruction, prepare yourself for what's ahead. Because these are going to be times of great strife and great division. Like the world has never seen and the church has never seen. But it should never happen in the church. No, it should never happen in it, the church. It's, 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 a, it's a reproach. Yeah. Division and schism in the church to me is a reproach. I love this. There's a, sorry, I just want to read this article. Um, it's from the Reader's Digest and it says this, What good is a tree? <laughs> the Reader's Digest explain that when roots of trees touch there's a substance present that reduces competition. In fact, this unknown fungus helps link roots of different trees, even dissimilar species. The whole forest may be linked together. If one tree has access to water, another to nutrients, a third sunlight, the trees have the means to share with one another. Like trees in a forest, Christians in the church need to support and love one another. That's good, eh? Isn't that amazing? Even different... Yeah. Nature. Yeah. Everything in nature but works thought, towards unity. Yes. And shared uh, life. But it happens when you touch each other. Yeah. And uh, I'm saddened that COVID no has fungus. kept us from touching each other. It's kept us from that. And then touch has been missing in our in our communities. But you know, please touch each other. I I, I don't. I'm not trying to break the rules. <laughs> Wow, but, but I mean, I mean, please engage each other, like really engage each other, and and free the person in front of you to have a different opinion. Touch each other, like meaningfully connect. That's if, a better word. Thank you. You didn't Jen. like touch. This, um, I like touch. Sounds though. weird. Like touch. <laughs> All right. Touching. Touching you, <laughs> sweet Caroline. And it, wah, 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 good times never. Anyway. And it all went down the toilet. It did. That's, uh, Zach was going to share yes, something. Yes, you are. Oh, I just wanted to share a quick couple of verses. This has really been helpful to me over the last uh, while, anyways. And it's Ephesians chapter 4. It says, I, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with patience, bear one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Yes. yes. We're already peace. One. We don't have to strive to be one. No. The, the call here is to see in even the person with the, the, the polar opposite idea or view or stance or position or look or anything like that, to see in them Jesus and to be able to say, you know what, we have union already. This isn't something we're striving for, but let's call that out in one another. Let's maintain the unity that we have and let's do it in the bond. Yeah, of peace. let's have the same mind for unity and the same mind for love. And the result is peace again. And, and that's why the, the result of supernatural peace comes from that progression that Paul shared with them about the two sisters he deeply loved. And then here comes peace. And here's the result, the peace of God, which passes understanding. I don't understand how that happened, but peace invaded the situation. I don't understand how that happened, but a, a divine peace invaded. And the world needs some divine peace today. A shalom of God that brings healing and recovery. A lot of stuff needs healing right now. And the divine peace of God comes, and it will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm.